Hi, and welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise him! Praise him! Uh, 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 Today we're going to be talking about Come From Away at the Comedy Theatre, and we're also going to be talking about variations or exit music at La Mama. Ooh. How exciting. Very exciting is the answer. Yes. Jake. <laughs> Hello, James. <laughs> we had to re-record that because Jake thought I didn't sound audible enough. He didn't. How are you going? Oh, look, I've been better. Um, we're recording this at my house today, which yes. is something we don't often do. So if there's an audible difference in the way things sound... That is why. Mm. We're in my, my dining room at the moment, which is lovely. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if I do say so myself. Pretty cocky take. <laughs> Why I dived right into that. Didn't realise um, I'd fallen into one of those, you know, when you know those YouTube videos where like billionaires show you around their houses. Oh yeah, they're always going like, uh, hi, this is, yeah, this is my, and they're like swinging around the corner. Yes. It's like that, it's like that 20 questions guy. The, the, the voice you just put on made me think that you were impersonating Dakota Johnson when she lied about how much she likes limes. Why who's, are you Dakota, at me? <laughs> who's Dakota Johnson? I've definitely told you who Dakota Johnson is. I have no brain. She's the woman in Fifty Shades of Grey. I haven't seen it. She's uh, is it Melanie Griffiths is working girl? She's Melanie Griffiths's daughter. Don't know who Melanie Griffiths is. So she's Griffiths one is. of these nepotism children that everyone's furious about. But she was, you know, what Fifty Shades of Grey is? I know the book. You know the book. Oh, did they make a I'm film intellectual. version? Oh. <laughs> I didn't realise they adapted it to the E.L. James classic. No, I, 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 I also know of the movie, but I haven't read or seen either. Uh-huh. <laughs> so Dakota Johnson yep. plays the titular 50. <laughs> okay, can you put it in nerd terms? Is she in a nerd film? She, uh, is she in a nerd film? She was in How to Be Single with Rebel Wilson. Doesn't count. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Not for nerds. Rebel Wilson's for nerds. <laughs> Rebel Wilson, I'm for nerds. <laughs> Vote one. Yeah, she's skinny now and has scary teeth. She, what? Scary teeth. I knew about the skinny. Scary teeth? You know the sort of teeth that like Samara Weaving had in okay, Nine Jake. Perfect Strangers? <laughs> you need to stop doing this. <laughs> what, explaining things Who's you don't Samara know? Samara Weaving! Samara Weaving is Hugo Weaving's daughter. Just to keep on oh. the theme of celebrities crapping out celebrities. Yep, yep. I, I do love Hugo Weaving. Sure, well he has a daughter and she cool. was in Nine Perfect Strangers. Sure. A great ensemble with a terrible script. Based okay. on a book by the same author that wrote Big Little Lies. Oh, I know the book. You don't know the no, book. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but Samara Weaving in Nine Perfect Strangers, and this sentence is now officially just for the two people that understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. Samara Weaving has big fake teeth in Nine Perfect <laughs> Strangers. <laughs> and Rebel Wilson, I think, went to the same chomp doctor. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Allegedly. Don't want to get sued for this. <laughs> All right. How was your week? <laughs> um, how was my week? Fine. Mm. It was fine. It was like, I, on the way here, I was like, do you ever have one of those weeks that feels like it went for three weeks? I had one of them. Yep. I was like, I was looking at like social media things and I was like, that cannot have happened six days ago. That feels like I was a different person then. Is it because you packed so much into this one week, do you reckon? Or I think uh, I think it's probably the thing, this is so dull to talk about. I think it's the thing of like, you know how they say that as you get older, one of the reasons that it feels like time moves faster is because... you like fewer of your memories are distinct from each other because so many of your days feel like the same day. Oh god! You know, like that—that that, that and also the thing of like the percentage of your life that you have lived is larger, so therefore the days seem smaller by comparison. That's why when you're younger, you feel like time moves slower than when you get older. 
Jesus. But this is more about the the latter one, the former one. Okay. This is more about the days being different. I think I just like the last week I had just every day was very distinct and full of things that it felt like. Yeah. So, okay. So a lot you, more stuff had happened. Break so it, it up longer. longer. Okay. But now it's just been monotonous. No, it's not monotonous now. No, and it wasn't wasn't monotonous before. It was just relatively consistent. Um, but yeah, that's why this week feels like it's been so long, just because every day was so different. Great. Have you done anything fun? <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. I love our sessions. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I went to the Malthouse. I was going to say season launch. They insisted. That it's not a season launch. Okay. Ignore my eyes doing what they're doing. They, they can't see your eyes. They're ele- no, I'm talking to you. Oh, you never talk to me. <laughs> I try not to. Okay. There's, um, they didn't want it to be called a season launch because they're doing this thing where they don't announce a full year of shows. They just like announce, I think, like... They s- half commit. They, they, they announce like six shows that we were able to buy tickets to the moment that it was announced. Then they announced three shows that were going to be happening in 2023 that we were not yet able to purchase tickets to. Okay. And there was a whole diagram to go along with their announcement. I feel like if you need a diagram, you're, you're overdoing it. <laughs> I feel like if you need like a diagram, I, I recently, sorry to completely undercut No, do it, take it. I recently mm-hmm. bought um, a season subscription to the MTC for next year. Mm-hmm. And, oh, figuring that shit out is a nightmare. Like the, the subscription, like... All right, if you want this one, you need to pick these days, but only if it's on a, a weekday, but before noon. Mars Can you needs just to not be... pick whatever day you want? You do, like, it's... Uh, I tell you what, kiddos, it's much easier on the internet. What were you doing? Oh, well, you know, like, I used to watch my grandparents do it when they bought theirs, and they'd, like, fold out the big sheet, and mm-hmm. they'd have to go through, like, a graph and, like, tick all the little boxes of where they could go and line yeah. it up with their calendar. You're better off just not going to the theatre. You're better off not going to the theatre! <laughs> um, but you went to the Malthouse... It was, it was called the Malthouse launch? Annual? Okay. It wasn't called a soft launch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm young, I'm here. Hi guys, just letting you know, Soft like... launching the Malthouse. Yeah, these plays are going to happen, but like, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, come if you want, I <laughs> Couldn't care less. Um, so, the annual. The, I went to the Malthouse annual, which, okay. yep, and yep, they announced a bunch of shows. It was fun, I went with my pal Harry, she's fantastic, so it was lovely to spend an evening with her. Good. And, yeah, ran into a couple of pals there, which Cheers. is always nice. You know how these events, I don't know how you feel about them, but I'm always just like... Will I see an enemy? <laughs> you, you famously have multiple nemeses. Like, you, you have listed famously, multiple nemeses. No, you say that as if I'm, like, a polarizing figure. No, I... <laughs> I do say that as if you're a polarizing figure. No. No, no, my enemy list is short these days. Um, and when I say enemy, I don't mean mean enemy. I mean people that if I were to run into them, there'd be a strange tension. I, but you ran into friends. I ran into friends, yes. Right. Yes, ran into Tom Middleditch. Always nice to see him. So, yeah, during the, during the annual and the announcements, I was sit- sitting between Harry and Tom. And that was a sweet little friendship sandwich. Which, nice little gang. Yeah, it was good. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. So then they like, yeah, announced shows in a row. This like minister, like the, the creative arts minister came out and gave this nice speech. And it was like, even outside of what he said about the theater, which was a bunch of nice stuff. It was, it was a nice, as someone that was, you know, was school captain, was on oh. the debating team. We never won the debating <laughs> team. <laughs> um, but someone that cares about speeches, it was, I enjoyed his speech, not even due to its content necessarily. I liked watching it go from like, whenever time, whenever like a politician gets wheeled out at these arts things, yeah. I feel like at least in me, there's like a, so where the fuck have you been? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this minister started talking and then I was like, okay, I'll listen to this man. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I suppose. But then yeah, he proceeded to tell like, yeah, this nice speech about how, and it was sort of like, 
three quarters of the way through the speech, he like dropped the fact that he was gay, and then I was like, oh, oh, oh my god, we've got a guy on the inside. And then he was like talking about how when he saw like a production of Holding the Man in the nineties, it was really touching to him. So oh. it was nice for him to be, clearly be carrying that, you know, that the impact of that piece of art with him through what he does as yes. as the arts minister. That sounds good. All I heard about the. Uh, I didn't go to the annual because I'm I wasn't invited. Of by course anyone. not. No. <laughs> you me. Um, and so I heard. All I heard. <laughs> they didn't want the event to be stinky. <laughs> That's why you paused and laughed. Yes. Stinky. All right. <laughs> Too stinky for events. Go on, James. <laughs> all right, I will. Um, all I heard was that the at the end. The, I think it may have been that politician or whoever no whoever ended the speech Matthew Lutton <clears throat> Matthew Lutton it was too had the really weird way of ending the whole thing of going alright well there's going to be some confetti cannons now yes. and then there was a pause and then the confetti cannons just went <laughs> James <laughs> I was like <laughs> it was interesting just as like a social yeah um, it was like an important event for main stage Melbourne Theatre uh, th- that was the end of his speech <laughs> Yeah, so He yeah said that He was like, I'm going to run off now Because there's a confetti cannon He then left as if he was going to get hit by the cannon Which is not what was going to happen And then he almost scurried off the stage And then what felt like one confetti cannon went off And it was underwhelming All the confetti was red I really liked the colour scheme of the Malthouse annual It was all like black and red Cool. This one confetti cannon goes off Underwhelms <laughs> Lizzo music then begins blasting But then, then the world is kind of like left there Kind of like clapping <laughs> But there wasn't enough confetti <laughs> so, That's what you know, it, it really felt like it was going to be like a big snowdrop or something In the way just... that he scurried off in such fear But it was just like a <laughs> And then it's like oh that will bother the cleaners <laughs> Ah. Yes, no, but it was a fun time. But yeah, no, to go back to the minister's speech, it was interesting, it just in like speech terms, in watching people melt when they started, when, when he started being personal in his speech. That, more than anything else he said, even about the arts, was like, oh, what an interesting speech technique. You do need to give something of yourself to let people, like, have a reason to give a fuck about what you're saying. Yeah. So anyone <laughs> gearing up for a year 12 speech. <laughs> let him in. Let him in. Let him in, fellas. Let him, let him, yeah. Let him know the truth inside you. Let him gin. Let him gin. Man. <laughs> uh, so five stars? <laughs> Do you remember Karen Walker's sister, Jin? <laughs> no! Karen Walker, it was like, I think the last season before the revival. It, Bernadette Peters plays her sister. Oh! And she's uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> very sorry. And they, it's in some, like, I don't know, mansion. And they that introduce, is the best casting choice ever. It's incredible. And so Bernadette Peters comes out, yeah, and she's like, um, and Karen's like, you've never, I, I've never talked about my sister, Jin. <laughs> and then it's a joke that every time she's talked about Jin, <laughs> she's been oh, talking about her sister. Uh, no, I've never seen that bit. I'll need, I'll need to watch that episode because that sounds amazing. Mm. And what a pairing. What a pairing. Megan Mullaney? Is it Megan Mullaney? Megan Mullally? Megan Mullally. Yes. Oh. Whose memoir I wanted to read, but she did it with Nick Offerman, and I have no interest in him or their love Why? story. He talks like this. Yeah, right? It's like, oh, he's a meme. He likes I like bacon. Meat. Yeah, oh. like, <laughs> it's like what are we doing here? I don't yeah. understand. What would you call Megan Mullally's memoir? Um, What's all this? <laughs> um, no, I think I'd want to like pull it away from just being like a Sweet Karen memoir. Um... You know, because I wouldn't want it to go like in like the way of Lauren Graham's memoir, where it was just like she'd. Why are you making that face? Lauren Graham Thank was you. the mum in Gilmore Girls. No. 
not. Not them saying Gilmore Girls. <laughs> she well, she was, and then her like memoir thing came out. It's called Talking as Fast as I Can, and it came out around the same time as the Gilmore Girls revival season. Oh, and she essentially like a lot of it was like she started off talking about her life and growing up on like, like a boat for a while, <laughs> and then was she a pirate? She was like just the daughter of a guy that owned a boat and lived on one. Okay. But yeah, then like a lot of what her memoir, and I hope we're getting another additional memoir. Um, but yeah, her do you think me- her life is interesting enough to support two memoirs? I think if you write interest, like if you write well enough, I think anyone's yeah, life could really be worth point. a memoir yeah, and two. I'd say, yeah. Do you reckon you could write a memoir? What would your memoir be called? I, tr- I definitely, yeah. Again, I think anyone, if you get the right person to write it, the yeah. people want to know what would your memoir be called. I've never really... heard the clickbaity information, <laughs> people. I remember when I wrote, they were teaching us what an autobiography was in year seven. Mm. And I, so, and we had to write, like, a chapter of our autobiography. God. And I remember calling it more, because that, because it was my first word. And since then, I've come to reflect on the fact of, like, oh, <laughs> and I'm incapable of not, like, overdoing anything that I like. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you know? So yeah, even that's great. More. My life is just foreshadowing, you know? <laughs> to what? Indeed. Oh, 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 a pretty bloody crescendo. That's, That's good. <laughs> yeah. And then the second one is called Less. <laughs> good God. Jesus. Yes. Less. Unless I just build on the word like Julie Andrews has been doing with her memoirs, with her which like with her daughter, whom I resent every time they do a like bef- like presentation together. Even though she seems lovely, but I'm just it's mad. It's the nepotism thing again. It's not the nepotism thing mm. because I don't think the daughter really does anything publicly except write these books with her mother. What are the books called? It's if they're a, building on them. The one's called Home, and then one's called Homework, and then the third one is Homework sucks. Something. <laughs> yeah, some other thing. Homework, boom. But that's what they've been doing. But I think, okay. yeah, every time it, it's it, and it's my fault. It's because every time the daughter rocks up, it's always in, with Julie to talk about this book that they did together. But my brain is just like, shut the fuck up and just let Julie talk. But the daughter's great. She's smart and interesting, okay. and the reason that these books exist. But <laughs> what about more? Back in the habit. That's that could good. be your sequel. That could be. Yeah. What's another like a good sequel subtitle? Uh... Hmm. Mm. Interesting. I'm sure it will occur to us. Over yeah, the let's, hour. let's spend some time thinking about this. Do you have an idea of what your memoir would be called? Uh oh, god. Or the Tony. Probably even? like probably would be it would be like the picture would be me in black and white doing like one of those sort of I don't know sort of expressions. It is so unsurprising that the first answer you have is based on what photo would be. Oh, used absolutely. And it'll be called word hardly. Uh, oh, mm. that's not terrible. Thank you. I didn't think it was bad. I one of my favorite memoir titles is Tori Spelling's book. It's called storytelling. <laughs> storytelling is storytelling. Yes. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so out of five stars? Out of five stars, uh, <laughs> I'm going to give it 312. Because that's how many pieces of confetti I think were in that cannon. That's, I guess that's not a lot of confetti. It wasn't much. <laughs> like if you picked up all the confetti by hand, I think it wouldn't take you more than an hour. It would take one cleaner. Uh, yeah, one cleaner who forgot their vacuum cleaner. One cleaner. Forgot that vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Welcome to the Hamilton. Oh my god. We're going to do a Hamilton episode, everyone. Oh, gross. No. No. Oh god, Hamilton <laughs> makes me so angry. Okay, right, okay. But that fucking, like, as I was talking to Harry in the foyer about, uh-huh. <laughs> because we both hate Hamilton for very similar reasons. Good. But we both have to admit that, like, the tone and energy of, like, say no to this is really good. The content of the song. Trash. Sure. But the way that the energy oh, sure. of it functions, yeah, yeah, yeah. that song that's just like, oh, I want to oh, fuck, fuck you, but I oh, shouldn't. Oh, yeah. yeah. I want to fuck you. Yeah. But, okay. <laughs> and not to, not to let this turn into a Hamilton episode, 
In that, you're quite familiar with that song. I'm very intimately aware of Hamilton. Yes, I think it's humiliating <laughs> the way that in that great song mm-hmm. they have the chorus, like the, the chorus members going like, "No!" Going <laughs> <laughs> like, "Oh no! <laughs> Damn, come on! Come on!" It's like it's really embarrassing. <laughs> it's, <very> embarrassing. <laughs> it's like you're meant to be keeping this a secret. All right. Stupid. 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 So three yeah, no, well. but of the... Oh. Have you... Are you excited for anything specifically in the Malthouse season? Um, I'm excited for all sorts of things. Seven Methods of Killing... Gen- <laughs> Kylie, killing... I'm going to take that one again. Yeah. Seven Methods of Killing Kylie Jenner. I missed it the first time around. Want to see it? Do you care about Kylie Jenner? Not particularly. Mm-hmm. No, I just... It literally I just want to see her dead. I just <laughs> want to see her dead. No, it literally is just word of mouth. I know that friends really enjoyed it, and mm. I was upset when I missed it when it came around. Sure. Um, and Nosferatu, I mean, a spooky vampiric time. Mm-hmm. Hell yes. Yeah. Hell <laughs> yes. I'm very excited for that. Uh, and I'm also very excited for This Is Living. That seems like a show that you'll enjoy more than me. What are you... <laughs> what are you... <laughs> Which is not intended as an insult, and if mm. you took it that way, maybe you have some insecurities to work okay, out. Okay, careful. What, you... <laughs> what am I excited about This Is Why Living for? Apart from Will King, who's in it, which is exciting. That is exciting. Yeah. Um, I just like Ash Flanders as a writer. Sure. I really, really like Ash... what Ash Flanders has done, mm-hmm. and I really want to see what he's done with this one. With a five-act naturalistic gay comedy. Yeah. That Great. sounds like something, because I don't think he's done something like that, at least on a big stage like this before. Sure. So that's exciting. Great. Yeah. Um, what's your week been like? Thanks for asking. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> My week's not been great. I got sick over the four-day weekend. Uh-huh. Which we had because of that dead old lady. Dead old lady. And then all those guys with the shorts on. Oh, God. What a day. Um, <laughs> what a day. Wow. What a... Yeah. Dead queen. What are you reflecting on? I'm just excited that we have a dead queen and lots of shorts. I love a like, dead queen. Love a dead queen. It's a I shame mean, she loses her power when she dies. <laughs> the power flows into the next supreme. <laughs> or we just say on set. Seance it. Instead of passing it on to Charles, yep. we just speak to her through psychics. Bearing in mind it already has been passed on to Charles. Well, they should have spoken to me first. Ah! Guys, guys, guys! <laughs> I've got a better idea. So, I got yes. sick of the weekend, yes. and I wasn't able to enjoy any of my four days off, and I had a lot of plans and I had to cancel on them, and I felt very sad, and now I'm still a little bit sick, which is why we're doing it here at my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, so it's, I'm not being great. Uh-huh. Not being great. And it's an ongoing trend of my body just falling apart. Okay. Um, so I have nothing else to say about my week. What have you been doing with all your sick downtime? Just lying in bed trying to feel better. Taking pills, sneeping. Um, you, you said sneeping? I said sleeping. I meant oh, sleeping. Oh, okay. <laughs> sure. I thought sneeping was a verb you secretly created during this time. <laughs> sneeping is something that... Floor refers to sleep as, and now it's stuck in my brain. Oh, oh, I sleep. Oh, so this. Oh, it's a, it's a linguistic it's a, infection. It's a thing. Yeah. Okay. I want to go to sleep. Oh God. Yeah. Cutesy. <laughs> I have no time for that. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. don't be sorry. Um. <laughs> yeah. So uh, sleeping and watching TV. I watched the new episodes of uh, the Ring of Power. Oh. I watched the new episode of She Hulk. Have the Rings of Power summoned Captain Planet yet? Not yet. Not but yet. We're waiting. Those exactly. characters are yet to be introduced. Oh God! We're very excited. <laughs> God, I want a I want a Captain Planet remake. Yeah. Yeah. How would you stylize it? Hot. Is it <laughs> hot twink in shorts? <laughs> oh look, no one gasped in shock that that was your pitch. <laughs> Why? <laughs> um, I don't know. I just think. Wait. So it's live action. I assume. I imagine it would be, and it just feels like it's it, it's it feels like it's such an obvious idea to redo now. Now that we're in the throes of all this climate change and war and that'll shit, be it's what like, changes it. I come think. on, yeah, do it. Mm. Like I'm sure there's a way they could subvert it in like a cool way. I just mm. don't know what it would be because I'm not smart. <laughs> 
Um, sure. But I'll figure it out. Yeah, well, no, I'd be into it being like as that fucking curveball sort of heralded in, for me at least. We're very much at the post-hope part of yes. <laughs> yes. thinking about that. Maybe Captain cobble. Planet could come in and sort of help them prepare the Earth for the next generation of humankind. Something horrific like that. Yeah. 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 Or like, or like they can like band together and be like, oh, right, you're here to help us save the planet. And he's like, oh, fuck no. I'm here to help you like reduce the damage you've already done. But that's about it. Sure. Like, there's no way I can help you save this planet. You've already fucked it. Who would play Captain Planet? I feel like if I was a studio casting, the obvious choice that a studio, a bored, lame studio would go for, they, I feel like they'd cast Neil Patrick Harris. Ew. Okay. You know, yeah, I'd sure. like, which is not what I want, but that's what I feel. They should they cast him do. as that villain with the hair over her eye. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. They she was like disfigured that. under that, wasn't she? I I very I remember very little of Captain Planet. I just remember there was hair over someone's eye. Okay. Um who would you cast as Captain Planet? I'm my, my, well, that's not who I'm casting. Who would you cast? Okay, I would cast I think I'd go for like a curveball pop star, is I think what I would do. Like a little Nass or like a or like a not a Harry Styles, mm. because I hate seeing Harry Styles in anything. Um, I think a little less, that's my answer. Okay. That would be a fun, I think, a really fun little cast choice. Sure, that would be fun. What about you? I think I'd go in a different direction. I think I'd go with Clive Owen. Is thing, <laughs> like, wh- why are you laughing? Sorry, Clive Owen. Clive Owen, current day Clive Owen. Okay. Because I think if we're going for post-hope, Cap- Cap- like Captain Planet has to have aged. Mm. <laughs> and I think he needs to be down on himself. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like, like a, a more interesting choice. Like a, a sort of like a, a drunk smoking Clive Owen. Yes. What if he's the villain? Then why would, wouldn't they just not use their rings? Or I guess their rings have fallen into the wrong hands. Yeah, now now it's it's the new Planeteers. Is that what they were called? The I believe so. We're the Planeteers. Yeah. You yeah. can be one too. The new Planeteers <laughs> have to fight the old Planeteers who are all like jaded and twisted now because all their effort went in vain. And that does turn it into a conversation about generational guilt. Wow! Uh, Let's, okay, guys, don't listen. Stop listening to this. Yeah, this is too good an idea. So I give my <laughs> week... I give my week uh, no stars. It has earned no stars. Good I've not God. enjoyed it at all. <laughs> uh, it actually made me feel angry, sad, and, and scared. Great. Well, <laughs> on that upbeat note, do you want to talk about some batter? I might as well. All right. I was going to start this with like the start of Come From Away, but I remembered that I don't remember the words, and also I don't want to get like copywritten. Sure. Hi, Jake. How's <laughs> <laughs> that for an opening? <laughs> Golden? That was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see how they copyright you <laughs> if you know. don't know the words. Well, that's... Okay. That's, that's a fair point, actually. Um, on the Northern Island of... All oh, right, because it sounds like a yeah, saloon, yeah, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, maybe we should talk, bring up what you're talking about and then we can talk Come about it. Come from away! Oh! Um, hello, I went to see a show. Mm-hmm. And I saw it at the comedy theatre. Oh, and yeah. the show was Come From Away. Great. Great. Uh, Great. This is the third time I've seen Come From Away. Uh-huh. <laughs> Big fan. Love this show. Come From Away. Oh, not 9-11. Sure. Not 9-11. Uh, I'm a fan that it brought such good stories into our life. To the point where you think it was justified. I refuse to comment. I you should no, refuse to I don't think it's justified. <laughs> oh, almost um, gotcha. <laughs> really, but not today. This gotcha journalism, I swear. Um, yeah, no, obviously, let's just get it out of the way. 9-11. Bad. Yeah, negative Big sound effect bad. indeed. Yeah. <laughs> I've got my thumbs down. Um, so that was awful. But <laughs> from the ashes, <laughs> from the the melted iron, oh god, steel rises um, a phoenix. <laughs> Jesus, what am I doing? Um, 
comes the stories. <laughs> you climbed out of a hole and like then you climbed was, right back down again. There was, what was that movie about like the passengers trying to take over the plane? I think we spoke oh, about this movie. United ninety three. Yeah, you know? Like that's oh, the incredible story. Yes. Um there's that one. There's the movie is it where Robert Pattinson turns out to be in the Trade Center. Remember me. Remember me, I will not. No. Can't um, never, <laughs> never saw it, but I know that it ended with just like the most bonkers plot twist. Well, yeah, the, like the camera zoomed out and he was in the Twin Towers. How are we going to end this story? Eh, we'll just do a 9-11. All right. I'm, I'm pretty into those sorts of endings, though. <laughs> what other stories have an ending like that? Um, I wonder. There are definitely some. I guess, I guess an idiot would suggest that Crazy Stupid Love is almost that. <laughs> Remember? So, you're <laughs> suggesting Crazy Stupid Love, so why are you suggesting that? Did you see Crazy Stupid Love? You know I didn't. So, the end of Crazy Stupid Love. So, it's like, it's that movie that was, like, really, really thoroughly promoted, and it was, like... Ryan Gosling and Steve Carell and Emma Stone. And it's like Ryan Gosling teaching Steve Carell how to be hot. And oh. then at the same time, Emma Stone is being seduced by Ryan Gosling. That's right, because Ryan Gosling is like a like a like a like a person that helps men sort of achieve their No, I think you're just conflating it with Hitch. I think oh, I, I am think, I am thinking of Hitch. I think for some reason Ryan Gosling just owns like owes Steve Carell a favor and he's like, why don't I just make you hotter? And then Steve Carell's like, I'm divorced. <laughs> and then but then the end of the film is like they all they, they all sort of for some reason end up at this house together and they're all like but you're but hang on but what and then it turns out that like Emma Stone is Steve Carell's daughter and it's this whole befuddling oh. triangle of like oh I guess this is technically a twist but why do I care about this <laughs> and yeah it's no 9-11 it's well in a way <laughs> In what? <laughs> what? You know what? We're getting off track. I will not answer on the so, grounds that I may incriminate myself. Speaking of away, <laughs> yes, come from Ooh, away. Well said, Wade. Thank you very much. Yep, seen it three times. <laughs> yep, one of my favorite shows. Uh-huh. Um, you, you saw, you've seen Come From Away, have you? Never not? in my life. Have you not? No, I thought you did. No. Well, I get to explain it to you. Thank God. So now we're going to go through a painstaking process of the plot of Come From Away. Can I? Yes. Guess the plot based on only having heard people describe it to other yes. people. Yes, yes, you can. Yes, you can. <laughs> okay, what I believe comes uh-huh. away to be. Mm-hmm. It's one act. Yes. Yes. Um, it's verbatim e. It's like based on people that were on the planes. It is based on people that were on the planes because when the nine eleven attacks were happening, all of the planes, like a lot of the planes, mm-hmm. got redirected to Gander, mm-hmm. which is a town in Canada, mm-hmm. because that's sort of like near where all the planes were. And so all the planes landed there, and then everyone on those planes had to like become friends. Yes. Because they got 9-11'd into being they got 9/11'd. in Canada. Well, actually, they didn't get 9 11 No, they almost got the opposite. <laughs> What's the opposite of me? A safe landing. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Yep, let's move along. I'm also anti 9 11 <laughs> Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Yeah. Um... But <laughs> nine eleven, more like one out of ten. And then I'm unclear on what the plot is, if there is one, but it's just a bunch of songs about how yeah. like sure is strange, we're on this island together. Ba, ba, ba. That's basically it. Okay. It's it's that the reason the the airport is there in Gander is because back when and planes weren't like jet engines, they had to fuel up before crossing the Atlantic. Okay. So they would like Gander was like the most east you could get. So they sort of like made it a giant airport where you could stop over and refuel and then make the rest of the, of the crossing. Okay. And then when jet engines were invented, it stopped being important, which is why they still have this giant airport. And um, as one of the lines in the show is, when air, airplane, when, when pilots are told to pull over to Gander, you know something's wrong. Because oh. it's like, it's an emergency pullover spot to get everyone out of the air. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, so that's the reason they all pulled over in Ganda. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, I'm, I'm pulling numbers out of my butt here, but I think the town was, like, 6,000 people or something and, like, doubled in population when all these planes pulled over. God. And so the rest of the show, yeah, is just, like... These... So everyone gets a friend! Yep. Oh, <laughs> if it doubles! <laughs> everyone has a twin! Has a t- <laughs> yeah, the plot is them figuring out that they all have identical twins in Ganda. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a 9-11 miracle. 9-11 squared. Ooh. Oh. So, <laughs> yes, the rest of the play is um, uh, all these different stories of all these different various characters we follow through the journey of them staying in this town mm-hmm. and like sort of some of them sort of trying to sort of bury their head in the sand and forget what's happened and just enjoy their time in the town. Some mm-hmm. of them are like, we need to get the fuck out of here. How do we get the fuck out of here? And some of them just sort of like not really comprehending what's going on. Mm. Um, and it's all told by this cast of, I think, 12 actors mm. um, who just like it's a play of many hats. Like they all play many different little roles. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's very fast paced. I don't think many characters are like off stage for more than like five minutes. Like it's like one of those shows where everyone's on stage the whole time. Cool. And pretty much the entire set is 12 chairs and a few tables. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And with those few things and the band on stage as well, which is something I love. Yeah, I love a band on stage. Why? Because you can see the band. I feel like the band is as important in, in like a musical. The band is as important as the cast. Okay, and, and therefore like, it's important that we see them. Not necessarily see them, but I think it's important that they're acknowledged and to have them on stage like this. And also the style of music that come from away is it's all very folky and very like mm. like small fishing town like get together and have a little sing down on the inn is like that sort of vibe. Okay, so to have them sort of in the room with them is really really felt really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but and generally speaking, you like the, the, the orchestra being wherever possible if it makes sense I enjoy the orchestra on stage if it's like uh, a big brass band I think that's on stage with like a big swing number you know that's fun mm-hmm. what? no no I'm just enjoying this description of what you want yeah right. <laughs> like that even like those sort of modern stages that have like orchestra pits up the back like in this like almost like up the ceiling yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah 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 like that sort of vibe um, like that for Rocky Horror when they did that um, ill-fated tour here oh yes <laughs> <laughs> For no reason. We're turning on a lot of landmines today, aren't we? <laughs> I'm going to step here, boom, step here, boom. Um, yeah, so, but they had the orchestra up the back there, and that made sense because it's a big, like, Rocky Horror, you know? Like, music is most of it. Um, um, I wonder how the musicians feel about that. I must admit, like, imagine that there are some of them that's like, I just want to play the keyboard in the dark. Oh, totally. I, I, you must be right. It, and, but it seemed like, especially this version that I saw, they, mm. they're all enjoying it. Because it's like... That's good. Yeah, there's a, there's a point where they all get on stage with the actual cast. Like, all the townspeople go down to the, the local. Mm. And they all get on and have a bit of a sing and a dance. And so the band sort of comes out of their little holes okay. and sort of, like, joins them on the stage. Okay. And, like, it's this it's sort of the, it's sort of the band where you have, like, a very professional fiddler. And uh, <laughs> which is someone... <laughs> Are you going to get paid for doing that? <laughs> Quick! Um, Hello. <laughs> you need as a professional. Um, it's someone who plays the fiddle. Oh! Uh-huh, like, like, hey diddle diddle the cat. The cat. Yes. Or the man on the roof. Yes! Ah, ah tradition. Tradition. Ah. Um, the mamas. So the, the fiddler, there's a fiddler there. And there's like someone that plays the ugly stick, which is like one of those sticks where they have like a bunch of bottle caps nailed to it. And they like oh, ugly. play it rhythmically. Is it called an ugly stick? It's called an ugly stick. Oh. Someone brought out an ugly stick is one of the lines in the show. Oh, a classic. Mm, classic nailed line. the gander an accent. Yes. Um, that's another thing. The gander accent. Mm. It's you, different to just normal Canadian. It's very different. It's like a weird mix of like... 
almost Scottish or Irish as well as like, like, um, ro- like, what are those accent? Maine, Maine. Like, um, what's that accent for people who hunt, who fish crab? Oh, like, you, is it like that Fargo accent? Is that all? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Minnesotan as well. Or Minnesota. Which is nowhere near, I think, Maine, but. Sure. But the only accent. monosyllabic state in the US. Maine. Yeah. Watch him think. Watch him think. Iowa. I mean. Monosyllabic. Iowa. If you merge Iowa. Yeah. To... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sticking with that one. I think there's two. Um, <laughs> fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> so, uh, the, but the Gander accent is something like when you first hear it, it's like, what the fuck are they saying? <laughs> There's a marble in that lady's mouth. Well, based, yeah, it is sounds like a sausage? They're, they're talking wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then they sort of, they make a few jokes about the accent during the show, which makes you go, oh, it's all right, but I don't quite Welcome get it. to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, have you ever seen a show three times? Like, because you liked it that much? Have I seen it? I saw The Wind in the Willows <laughs> at my the student theatre I was at. For some reason, I saw that at least three times. Ooh. I'm sure of why. I saw at the same student theatre, I was operating the set for Pillow Man, so I saw Pillow Man about seven times. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. So just as an audience member. As an audience member, like, voluntarily going to see this show. Three times. Ooh, nothing springs to mind. Yeah. Why? Well, it leads me on to mm. my, my, something I wanted to talk to you about. Mm. Hardcore theatre fans. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Go like, ahead. Yeah, be I'm into so, it. <laughs> so I used to work at a restaurant that is attached to a theatre in the city. And so when you work at this restaurant, you see a lot of cast members. You see a lot of crew members and a lot of people involved in the shows. Mm. And hardcore theatre fans figure that out pretty quick. Figure what out? That, that is where the cast members go to get the coffee. Oh, okay. And so you end up with these... Hardcore fans out the front, sort of like fangirling and screaming over cast members to a musical mm-hmm. when they come out of the stage door to get their coffee, and it's like I don't know. I just that's not a it's not a part of musical theater that I thought would be so prevalent. But there are some real hardcore fans that have the money mm. to go and see. Like I'm talking like this was like Book of Mormon, Harry Potter, like these sorts of things multiple times. Yeah. That is part of what about these characters that confuses me. It's like, yeah. what is their income stream? Because these tickets aren't cheap. And they all seem quite young. They all seem... I, I imagine it's just mummy and daddy's money. <laughs> sure. Or, the, yeah, or the, I don't know, savings or something. Sure, that is one element of them that is, that is quite quizzical. And what is it about seeing, as opposed to like... Is it the fact that you can actually go there and see the, the people in the show and then physically be with them after the show? Well, Do you reckon that they're so attached to these people? I think there's definitely like, there's a, a collection of reasons that these people kind of exist as the super fans that they are. I think th- there's something to be said for the fact that there's certainly like a level of neurodi- like neurodivergency that occurs in a lot of these people that have these very intense connections to characters and to performers in theatre, yeah. as they would in any sort of, of the arts. And I think theatre especially is interesting. Like Part of the reason... That I'm drawn to theatre so much, and the reason that people in theatre can affect me so much is like, and I've said this to you a number of times, is like, it seems like, in a way, like the first duty of a performer in a piece is to make you fall in love with them at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also something that having, like, someone being on stage makes that person inherently easier to fall in love with. As opposed to a movie or something where they're not really there. Yeah, I think yeah. in the sense of, yeah, and I think it's a whole different. Thing with cinema being what it is, being behind a screen and being so much more con- contrived is the wrong word, but I can't be bothered thinking of a different one, but constructed or something. But with theatre, it's you're physically sharing the space with the person. Yeah. You can see them right in front of you. 
and then on top of that, you can also see them go and get coffee. <laughs> That's um, yeah, yeah. But I think yeah, you're you're breathing the same air as them. You're like in the same room as them, and then they're they're transporting you somewhere emotionally. Um, and that in itself, when you describe it like that, that's quite an intimate act. Like, it makes sense that people would form a really strong bond with somebody. Like, if I were... Yeah, they're seeing the show that often. I don't know, you see someone... And it, the act of performing is so generous, you know? And it's so open and inviting. It is almost like this intimacy that's going to beget people who respond to that intimacy in a very intense way. Because the style of intimacy that it is, is quite unique, but quite potent. I think this what? is almost what would happen if you saw Rob Mills in a show. <laughs> I've been trying so hard not to bring up Rob Mills. Yes, <laughs> I love him so much, but not to the extent where I would like. I would never wait outside. Like I've had the opportunity to wait outside stage doors. Like I'm him. talking about super fans that are out the front of the stage. Oh yeah, that's why. That's like why I don't count myself among the people with cards and yes. like fan art they've done of the actors, not the characters. Yeah, no, and that's 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 a level of. Like intensity, fanaticism. Yeah, yeah. That would like I consider myself to be a very big Rob Mills fan, but yeah. I've never been driven to make craft for him. <laughs> How do you feel about our friend Molly Ward, um, who is doing dressing sometimes for Rob Mills? Um, I think she's a very lucky person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's on. Yeah. Her, he's on her be reels. That's great for her. <laughs> no, I think he's so marvelous, and I cannot get into the reasons why I think he's so yeah, incredible as a person, but everything I hear about him is interesting and strange and lovely, and I think that's what you want people to be anecdotally describing you as. Yeah, that's fair. That's reasonable. You know? Back- I, I like that I'm not just hearing, like, oh, he's so nice. It's like, no, he's other things, too. <laughs> what other things? Positive things. Things that I'm glad okay, he is. Right, you know, right. I've never heard anything about him that's made me be like, ugh. I've never heard anything about Rob Mills that's made me, like, think less of him. Everything I hear is like, I'm so glad that happened. Okay. <laughs> we should stop talking about Rob Mills, I think. Nah, never. <laughs> um, um, what, do you have any... No, no. I just I just sort of entered into this moment of when I saw the show for the third time. Where I was like, it uh, it allowed, allowed me to sort of see things about the show that I had never sort of noticed before. And I sort of like, especially each time that I saw it, it was slightly different cast. Especially the last time because mm. it was a remount of the show. Mostly puppets? Mostly puppets. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're doing an Avenue... Q 911. There's a crossover. Hey, <laughs> eh? they're in New York. They're there. They're, oh my god! Yeah, they would have been around. They would have been around. What were the Avenue Q puppets doing during 911? <laughs> it might go a little something like this. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Sorry, uh, James. <laughs> they wouldn't have been singing. I was just imagining like a somber scene. <laughs> no, they would have been scared. I I wasn't picturing them in the tower. No, James. no, no, they're around the tower. I would be scared. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, you, it's real. It's it's real. What is the a- Avenue Q nine eleven crossover? It's raw. It's nothing like the original, like the original no. Avenue Q. No, it's, it's totally. Entire, it's it's t- yeah. a completely different show. There's no music. Well, it's it's like what the world was. It's Everything's like changed. One now. puppet slowly turns to the audience and says, "Like, you never think about the silence." Oh God. <laughs> But that day there was more silence than I thought I'd ever heard. Oh my god. Like that sort of thing. Yes, and maybe the slut is one of the first responders and she gets that disease they all got from inhaling the dust. And she can no longer be a responder, so she has to turn to sex work. Is this a prequel now? It's a prequel. Well, I guess it's a prequel. It's set in... Because Avenue Q takes place later. Oh, does Avenue Q happen post 9-11? I mean, I always imagine so just because of... It was always... It came to theatres after 9-11 and I don't, ima- I don't remember it being like set in the 90s. Right. Was it meant to be set in the 90s? I don't know. Uh, so see, mm. <laughs> rewind, rewind. So seeing the show three times, I see the different casts. Mm. And I've got to say, like, this time around, I really appreciated some differences. 
in their performances. In the, in the, in the different ways. Because you know when you see like a big stage show like this, you wonder how much of the character is the actor's choice and how much is the director's choice and how much is the choice of like the, the company that actually made the show. Because you know, like Book of Mormon, there are very specific ways, mm. just because I mentioned the show earlier, there yeah. are very specific ways that the characters are meant to be played and you can't really play around with it. It's the oh, same sure. with Harry Potter. Like, you're not allowed to bring your own spin to the character. It's got to be played like this, and mm-hmm. this line needs to be said like this, and this line must be shouted. Yes. <laughs> must be shouted. <laughs> Ginny, you cannot have a third dimension. <laughs> Ginny, <laughs> you're feeling things, so you have to be shouting. Uh, but this, but like, this one, like the, the characters were a little bit different. Like, they mm-hmm. were different characters with different sort of inclinations, and the way they sort of played the characters made them feel different. Okay. Which I found quite interesting. In particular, um, Kat Harrison, who plays Bonnie in particular, and others, but Bonnie is like the... RS, RS, is it RSPCA? Is that the royal animal, the people that look after animals? Yes. Yeah. She plays like that in the town of Gander. And so mm. she sort of like asks about all the animals on the plains and looks after them. Mm. And she, in all the versions I'd seen, she'd been quite an emotive sort of, I've got so many emotions and feelings and thoughts. Mm. But, but <laughs> I don't know. There was something about the way that Kat sort of did this very, all right, here's what's going to happen. Straight lace down the barrel. Mm. Shut up. Like every line was sort of like that. There was just, I don't, there was something about that that grounded the rest of the world around her. Yeah. And it's just, I seeing that one character choice felt quite nice in a big scale production. Yeah. To see that sort of... Because it must have been the actor's freedom to do that in the role, I think. Sure. Because it felt very naturally from her. Okay. Um, and the other one I also just wanted to talk about was Philip Lowe, mm-hmm. who played Nick and others. But yeah. <laughs> Nick is um, the English awkward... <laughs> or, like, he, there's, like To put it in perspective, there's one scene where everyone calls home to sort of let everyone know that they're okay. Mm. And everyone's like calling and saying, it's all right, mom, I'm, I'm here, it's all good. And then Nick just calls his office and he's like, hello, yes, I'm, I'm late to my meeting and blah, blah. And, and there's a pause and he's like, no, I just thought somebody should know. It's mm. like he's got no friends. He's just this boring English businessman. Oh. But there's something about Phillips. Because every time I'd seen the show before, he'd always been played very, just that like just awkward and British but I don't know Philip just felt so much more like a real human being hmm. like it just felt like less like it felt like there. I don't know he was just so much more relatable and I found myself really like wanting the best for Nick oh sure yeah and because I think of this portrayal because of this portrayal I think it's that thing you mentioned earlier of a character of actors sort of inviting you to sort of love them on stage it's like how could you not love Philip Lowe doing Nick mm. like I just I've found that portrayal in particular and also there's a love story he's involved in that I I'm obsessed with in that story. And so Are they gay bows? No! It's him and I'll quickly find the actress. Sure. I'm gonna do a little song about how 9-11 was sad. I did once sing a song as a child that I wrote about 9-11. <laughs> Wait, what? Really? I'm sorry, this was meant to be a pause. Is this real? Yes. Uh-huh. It was 2001. <laughs> We were all digesting yeah. things differently. Yeah, yeah. It was a Christmas concert uh, that we did. Uh, <laughs> um, we'd go camping every year <laughs> um, with a bunch of different families near Echuca, uh-huh, uh-huh. um, along the Murray River. And every year we'd do like a like a New Year's Eve on New Year's Eve we'd do like a performance. So I guess it wasn't oh, a Christmas. It was adorable. like a New Year's Eve performance. Gorgeous. And one year I was just driven as a child <laughs> to write a song and perform it about 9-11. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember how it went? I remember um, <laughs> there was something about everyone in America trying to be brave and about how Osama bin Laden was hiding in the Bora, Tora Bora caves. 
that was that rhyming? They did, I don't think they, those lines were mixed between the but there was that's great. There was definitely a line that was like, Bin Laden's hiding in the Torah Bora caves. <laughs> and then my friends who had gotten to be backup singers for the song would go, Oh, backup singers! Yes, and they would go, Torah Bora caves. <laughs> Well, everyone in America is trying to be brave. That's absolutely. That's how it went. Oh my god! Yes, it was a whole. We need to remount it. Remount it. I think you're right. (laughs) All right. Well, that's given me time to find this. (laughs) Did you even find what you were looking for? Yes. Natalie O'Donnell played Diane. Oh yeah. Sort of, and others. I've got to say, they all play others. Yeah. But Natalie O'Donnell played Diane in particular, who is like this Texan woman who sort of like has been divorced, and she's like this. They're both like. Oh, Nick and <laughs> Diane. Sorry, I forgot my name for a second. Uh, Nick and Diane are just very average, sort of regular human beings. They're both sort of middle-aged and both have sort of boring-ish lives. But they sort of meet... <laughs> they, like, they do, they do. Sure. And they both meet in this plane and then they just sort of slowly have... It's just nice seeing in a big production... <laughs> this is going to sound awful, but just average, boring people finding love mm. and it being so nice and moving for them. Yeah. And, what, and then watching... Yeah, watching Natalie O'Donnell and... um. I'm so sorry. Um, mm. Oh, some up in love. Philip Lowe. Philip Lowe. Lowe. Philip Lowe and Natalie O'Donnell, just watching them sort of portray these two characters as conventional rather mill people and like having them sort of just be taken over by this emotion and sort of falling in love with each other slowly. And that's a true story. So these two people this met. It's a true story. These, this in is a true Gander, story. Because of 9-11, they fell and, in love. And they honeymooned in Gander as well. Oh! Yeah, yeah. Honeymoon in Gander. <laughs> in Gander. Um, yeah, and I just found that, that this time around, <laughs> this time around, the roundabout, yeah. seeing the show, it, that, that relationship stuck me so much more. Oh. Because of these two performances. Was there really a wondered. moment in their love story in the show that really affected you? There's one song they do where they sort of... The the planes are all meant to leave, but there's a bit of time before they refuel and go. So they go off to this Dover Fault, which is like a place nearby with this beautiful the scenery. The two of them do. And they yeah. just go for this walk. Mm. And there's a song where they both sing about, like, I want my life to be more and, like... I want, I want to finally like stand up and take something for myself and like live a life that I want to live. Mm. And it's just these, the, and the, I just, that song makes me cry. Is that based on a conversation they had in real life? I'm actually not sure. I'm not sure. sure. I'm not sure. But, oh, um, God. what's that? Is there like a standalone hit that like, what's like the song from Come From Oh, Away? Me in the Sky. Me in the Sky. That is okay. when, um, Captain Beverly, she was yeah. one of the uh, pilots. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's this the song where she's like, "Me and the sky," and it's just her singing about like being the first, don't being no, the what? first female like American pilot, and her was she journey. The first female, she was the first American female pilot. Ah, like her journey to sort of get there and sort of being like set aside by the World War Two pilots and sort of like being mm. ignored, and then like what she had to overcome and how. So there's this great line where she's sort of like singing about her joy of flying and how it's her whole life and she loves it and she's getting in the plane. Then all of a sudden, the one thing she loves more than anything was used as a bomb. And it was just like... Oh, sad. Yeah, Yeah. really sad. Um, But that's, I'd say, probably the song from Come From Away. Um, Otherwise, Come From Away is probably another hit. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I would see it a fourth time. And if it's on for a little bit, I think, go and see it. Because I love this show so much. Mm-hmm. And I think you should see it, Jack. I'll think about it. I really think you should. It's, it's, <laughs> if, if anything, it's just an incredible feat of acting and, and stamina for them to do the show. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, right. That's what I think about Come From Away. Terrific. And by extension, 9-11. <laughs> Hello, Jay. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm 
the same as I was five minutes ago. That's good. That's good. I <laughs> I went to the theater. <laughs> Meep moop. I am Jake Bart. That's good. That's good. How was the theater? Which Thank one you. did you go to? It was and fine. What did you see? I went to the Lamama Courthouse. Right. That's. Not the Lamama HQ. That's the that one in like the old bluestone building. Surely yes. you've been to the other. No, one. I have. I have. Oh, okay. I was trying to remember which one because in my brain there were three and one burnt down, but that's not true. There were two and one. There burnt were two down. and one burnt down. They rebuilt it to the HQ courthouse. Go on. Um. Yeah. So I went to see variations or exit music. Well, which one is it? Uh, it's both, I suppose. Oh. It's good that they give you options. It is. Could you? Could you? Is this a show you could call variations? Or you could call it exit music. Like, is it that sort of show? Or does it need to be yeah. called well, variations or exit music? Um, it depends on what rules you apply, you know? Because, like, do you call it the goat or who is Sylvia? Or do you just call it the goat? Why are you staring at me like that? <laughs> is, it, is the goat Sylvia? Yes. Oh. It's an Edward Albee play. I think you'd really enjoy it. Okay. It's like this guy, he's got like a wife. And Boom. one day... <laughs> <laughs> Boo to wives <laughs> Immediately <laughs> They ruin everything Boring. Um Yeah and one day He just sort of announces To his wife That he's in love With this goat And then Ooh yeah, yeah. I like that premise Because yeah. I love fucking goats You love fucking goats It's a really built for you Yeah no It's wonderful Edward Elby is so good okay. But yeah uh, He yeah It's a play about that And it's them Sort of like wrestling With how to go on With their lives Now that the husband's Fallen in love with a goat Oh my god That does sound really good but yeah, it's fantastic. And yeah, the goat or who is Sylvia. So I went to the theatre alone. I you love going to the theatre alone. I do, but the part that I don't like about it, and there are several things I don't like about it, many of which I've gone into detail about on this very podcast. Yes. Um, but in this instance, it was very much, I just felt, just the way that the foyer works in that, like at that theatre, it's just... There's <laughs> no way to stand without feeling like you're in the way as Absolutely. Well. And for a, like a like a lonesome soul, mm. it's very easy to just feel like I don't know. Yeah, an obstacle. Everyone can see me being alone. Absolutely, yeah. like against their will. Yes, you know, because like, that whole thing is like a corridor down to the bar, and then it's like the corridor down to the bathrooms. Is that right? Well, that's pretty much. Yeah, it. I assume that's where that. Th- I've never used the bathroom there, but I feel like that's mu- that must be where that goes. You've never used the bathroom there. Yeah, the rumors are true. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> yeah, I'm one of the few. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, but so got there, waited there, I was sort of like accidentally privy to a bunch of this like, I don't know, this like family's conversation about having to wait for their, like, one of the brothers of the family to arrive because he was running late. Like, I was forced. You were in it. Okay. <laughs> it was, I just had to listen to this whole thing unfold. Um, <laughs> but he made it. He made it just in time. Great. Yeah. Pre-show fun. <laughs> yes. Exhale, everybody. Yeah. So then I, why are you looking at me like that? I went to exhale, but my, I'd already exhaled, so I had nothing to exhale. You've got a speck of dirt on your nose. No. <laughs> There's no dirt on your nose right there. Oh yeah, there is. Did you know? Yeah. Thanks, I'm <laughs> Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, but so I went, the doors opened, and then I eventually start like toddling on inside. Mm-hmm. Waddling. No, I don't waddle. I'm very athletic. I started walking inside the theatre, start walking in, and then I get a glimpse of what the set is. And I get a glimpse of, there's a preset. Shit, yes! Fuck yes! Fuck yes! Love <laughs> preset! Oh my okay. god. I see at least one actor's face on stage. It's like, yes! Heaven. Great. <laughs> oh, preset. <laughs> sign seating? Motherfucker doesn't have a sign seating, does it? No, I don't know if they do sometimes, but they definitely didn't this time. Front row. Front row. And Perfect. guess what? Not just front row. Middle. I walk in. I'm sort of... I, I felt like I was maybe like... Around like the halfway point of audience members entering, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was like, probably front row is going to be filled. But then I forget, no one wants to sit in the no front row. No one likes the front row. Except me. And you know who else? So I'm walking in, <laughs> athletically walking in, in a way, <laughs> walk in, and who do I say? I see James goddamn Robertson. 
Oh! Oh! I, of course, pretend not to know who he is because <laughs> because I don't want to put him in a position. So James Robertson is Thank a you. playwright and a um, and a theatre critic and uh, just like you know, like a Melbourne artist okay. that who obviously was involved with Fisher. He like wrote, was he in Fisher as well, or he just wrote it? He wrote it, which is that play about masculinity that James went in costume to. Yes, yes. So I was accidentally dressed as a fisherman. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Yes, so I saw oh, James so and I was like, Jake, play it cool. <laughs> and so beautiful. Does he still have long, beautiful hair? Um, yeah, yeah, still stunningly handsome. Good. Yes, so went inside and then, yeah, sort of like sat next to him, gave him like the casual, like apologetic smile of like, oh, gonna sit next to you. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, then sat down and then, uh, yeah, I didn't want to like force him into a conversation because, you know, <laughs> why make his day worse? <laughs> but but then he like introduced himself to me and oh. was like, oh, we recognize each other. And so then we just had like a lovely conversation. Oh, that's so and nice. And then I met his pal Michelle, who was next to him. And yeah, we just like, yeah, talk about Fisher for a second because she was also, in, I think she was in Fisher too. Oh, sure, sure. She definitely yeah, had she something to do one. with it. But yeah. yeah, so that was a nice way to start. And All so right. I get to speak to them and also look at this preset. <laughs> so. So it's a one actor? <laughs> um, it was a, there were four actors in this one act play. No, I'm just, talking about the preset. Uh, it was a, no, so it was all, oh, if I'm remembering correctly, I think it was all four of them because it's four oh. people. At the, yeah, right. Moan mm. sound indeed. It's a full press. Uh, so it was performed by Yukon Wang, Matthew Connell, Lachlan Martin, and Josh, Josh McClelland uh-huh. was the four-man cast. Well handled. Thank you. It was written and directed by Justin Knott. Um, but yeah, so sitting there in this preset, talking to these people next to me. Um, yeah, the, the, the set. So it's like something that the set did, which was like, what was it? It was designed by Eloise Kent. And uh, something that I always appreciate and I think is very bold and funny to me, (laughs) which is a positive thing, was like, I love it any times that a set is designed where it's like, okay, I'm aware of where we are. I know what this theater looks like. Mm -hmm. Fuck that. (laughs) I want the set to look like this. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So it's like, she's designed this thing where it's like stark white and it's like, Imagine just like, okay, so imagine you, you as James. I'm imagining. Okay, you take a pencil. I've got one. And you draw a rectangle on a piece of paper. Okay, is uh-huh. it lying down or is it tall? Um, it's lying down. It's like a landscape Landscapes. rectangle. Okay. Okay. And now you make that 3D. So it's a box. It's like a, it's a, it's a box that you can sort of see through. Like a, like a wide rectangular box. Yep. Yep. And then put a wall on the back. Okay. Yep. So that's sort of like where they're, what they're in. Yeah, like it's this big oh, kind of like, like well, sort of like it fills the space widthwise. Yep, yep, yep. yep. Um, and it's just like thick and white and kind of like you know that kind of like okay. sleek modern theater look. Is like the top of it tall enough that they can stand inside it? Only just like it's probably like thirty centimeters taller than the tallest cast member, I'd say. Which one was the tallest cast? Member? I think. Oh, I don't know. Let me. I, if, I don't. Actually I think you do to need know. to know. Okay. I think Lachlan Martin was the tallest one. You got a tall sounding name. Good question and good feedback. Thank you, thank you very much. <laughs> Um, yes, so that's what the... So, yeah, so I just like it anytime someone's like... Is that it? Is that the, like, is that Essentially, the, it was just like, yeah. Minimal, bare... There's one big reveal that I'll get into, but otherwise, Ooh. yes, it just feels like this white room that you're in that just gets really nicely lit. I already love it. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I like it because it almost... Part of what I like about it is it reminds me of Ariana Grande's Focus music video. <laughs> <laughs> just in the way that it's so, like, that whole so design... Smells, do you smell something a bit puffy in here? Puffy? Yeah. Are you about to... It's you! Hey! <laughs> Carry on. Um, just in the way that, like, a, a few of her music videos do that, where it's just, like, it's this like, artificially constructed universe that's just, like, designed for performance. For dance. For dance. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, for dance oh, universe. Yeah. Because even, like, there's 
almost a set piece in that music video that is like this set piece, but it's like too short for her. And I think it looks really stupid where she's like <laughs> bending down in this like all white sort of like hole in the wall. And she's like, <laughs> doing her Ariana Grande. Yeah, but she's like too tall for this. Anyway, okay, right. let's not get distracted. James, stop being distracted. <laughs> I'm just having my dip lamb, mate. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the, the show then begins to happen. Great. Um, <laughs> Terrific stuff. And so it's like about... It's like about a breakup, like a gay breakup sort of ending. And then... The emotional fallout of the character that we follow through that journey. Mm-hmm. And then what I thought happened... <laughs> is this another situation where Jake doesn't know what the plot was? No, I know what the plot... So it was essentially... Jake. It was a lot of like... So it was... What, what I thought it was, was like... Almost... Not stream of consciousness. Because they were like... They were naturalistic conversations. The whole thing was quite poetic. Um... It honestly, something that sort of like, even like 20 minutes in, it really like took on kind of like the cadence and the nature of this very recognizable style of poetry that I'm sure you've encountered and probably written yourself as well. The type of like, you've had three glasses of Shiraz. Oh yeah. And then you get emotional and then you start like writing. I need to get this out. Yes. And yep. you just suddenly realize, oh my God, all my thoughts sound beautiful all of a sudden. Yes. And so I'm going to write them all down. Yes. And then part of what I found like sort of like lovely and interesting once that kind of hit me was then being like, oh, what would happen if you put like put those things onto a stage? Just as like a... Because somehow I feel like that is like a relatively universal experience. Well, I of, think also a lot of work that's come out recently, especially from like younger people, has been stuff they've scribbled in their notes apps when the inspiration has struck and then they've compiled into things later on, which I think is a totally cool way to make art. Um, but yes, so, <laughs> so yeah, in, in experiencing a text of that species yeah. on stage was a cool time. Yeah, totally. And so, but in conversations I've had since then, because I'm trying to stick to the rule that I've kind of set for myself of like not doing any research before seeing shows and then not really researching anything until after we've talked about them. That's what I've been doing as well my right. entire life. Oh, great. I just don't do research. <laughs> yeah, because I, you know, want to enter it as like a, like just like a, a person from the wild a encountering art. Well, not a blank slate. <laughs> I know things. <laughs> right. Right, you know things. Um, what do you know? But, then, yeah, so what I thought was happening was it was like, okay, so this central character, like this this main actor is going to play sort of like the surrogate writer character mm-hmm. and be like the sort of central Carrie Bradshaw point of this experience. I got that reference. Great. And then these three other actors are going to kind of be like his conscience. And sometimes it'll be his ex-boyfriend. Sometimes they'll be like a hot guy. So, yep. you know, yep, yep. and that's what I thought was going on. And then sometimes there were concrete characters and other times they turned into some sort of other speech being. Mm. Um, but then I've spoken to a couple of people that saw the show as well. And they were like, no, there were very distinctly three other individuals that existed in his world. And they represented themselves constantly throughout the entire thing. And I was like, Oh, oh. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> Maybe I'm stupid and that's... But yes. Um, what else was I going to say? I guess while Jake's thinking, I shall sing my own song. Oh, there once was a man whose name was Jake. He was very tall. (laughs) Something that I thought was good. One of the actors had a finger brace. Oh. And I loved it because... Wasn't a character choice? No. The actor had broken their finger? Like, unless it was some sort of, like, secret dramaturgical thing. But, yeah, no. One of the actors just had a finger brace on. How do you think they broke their finger? How do I think they broke... Is it... Is that you insinuating some sort of, like, sexual theory? No, I'm theory? just asking. Oh. Okay. 
See, now that Tony... Yeah, I... No, I don't know how they broke their finger. But I thought it was... It, it made me think about... Maybe tediously. It made me think about people having tattoos on stage. It made me think mm. about all the things of, like... Something that tethers somebody to their offstage existence as a real person. And yeah. whether or not... Like, the opinions surrounding whether or not that punctures a suspension of some sort of false world that we're meant to enter into. Sure. Um, and and the, the merit of that, I guess... Um, I don't know, just made me think about that for a second. Yeah, because I've, I've, well, this was part of when I was younger and thought I was going to be a Broadway star. There's, I, I, there's I, still time. There's still time. I could be an aging Broadway star. Um, I, <laughs> They're um, all aging, James. <laughs> oh, God, don't say that. Um, I never wanted to get tattoos because I was worried if I had a character that needed to be like semi-nude, I would have tattoos. And they'd be like, no, nope, you can't be on stage. Mm. But then I'm also, part of my brain is like, People have tattoos. Mm. Like, it's not out of the question for a character to have a tattoo for reasons that aren't gone into in the text. Sure. You know, or it's not out of the question for someone to have a broken finger for other reasons that aren't related to what's going on on stage. Yeah. And I think, depending on the piece, I think that, like, could even ground the world more. It's like, oh, you're a fully fleshed out person. You've got your own tattoos. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't need to be like... Ah, this is a tattoo of Baphomet, the devil. <laughs> and that's because of these reasons. I don't think you would need to justify it in the world. But, but, and I agree with a lot of what you just said. And in concept, absolutely everything you said makes sense. Mm. But then the moment you put anything on stage, it becomes semiotically loaded with everything that it represents. Yeah, true. You know? So you can't really say that like, oh no, we chose the lighting for this reason. We chose the, like the costumes for this reason. We chose the set for this reason. But that thing on that person's body actually means nothing. Well, I guess you then go into the world of, if you have enough money, you can cover the tattoo up sure so i get a makeup artist to do that oh absolutely you know like yeah 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 no but yeah but that's i don't know that's i don't know it is it does i guess it breaks the suspension for a little bit just for a moment of a yeah and and i'd say especially with this podcast being what it is and like the way that we talk about theater being like things not being good or bad it's just kind of like stimulating yeah um yeah, just maybe had those those thoughts, and they're I don't know, just interesting thoughts that I enjoy having. Well, you've got a lot of tattoos now. Have you ever thought about how they would affect? Because you famously are not, and you you, you don't <laughs> go on hurt my feelings. <laughs> no, you don't describe yourself as an actor first. You're a writer. Thank you. But you you do go on and act every now and again. Have you thought about how these tattoos might affect your performance? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, like the tattoos you have are quite evocative and loud. Like there's, <laughs> there's no real simple quiet tattoos you have. Oh sure, but I, I have been like putting. I've been trying to keep them in like very hideable spots. Sure. Um, at the very sort of like very recently started creeping into more conspicuous positions. You have a spider tattoo on your face. I do not have a facial spider they tattoo. They don't know that. Oh my god. <laughs> Imagine me very cool and tattooed. <laughs> Um, yep. Yeah. No, so that's... Yeah, the thing you described, as I've heard many actors talk about, yeah, I've been wanting to keep things hideable as possible yeah. for the sake of, you know, vanishing into the character. Well, I mean, that's why I got mine where mine are on my thighs. They're very hidden. Yes. I'd have to be playing a nude role for them to be exposed. Sure. And now I'm sort of, like, scared because the next one's going to have to be somewhere else. Sure. Where's that going to be? Mm-hmm. Not my face. Um, Tattoos. Tattoos, sure. Broken finger. Broken finger. Yeah. No, so that was just an interesting inclusion. They stuck to the rule of if you're going to have a contemporary piece of theatre that's about young people, especially gay ones, but any young people, you need to have a cool nightclub dance sequence. Yes! <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Amazing. And how yes. did it go? You Guess how you think it went. <laughs> Awkward? I always find those scenes awkward. Why? Because it's like a bunch of people on stage 
dancing like you can't see what I'm doing, but imagine I'm dancing badly. Dancing like this while a bunch of lights go off and some music plays, and I'm just sitting there going, I wish I was on MD. Like 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 I can't enjoy a dance scene like this. Cause it makes me feel like it makes me immediately like, oh god, I'm not dancing, and now no one else here is dancing, and we're just watching this dance. I get in my head about it. It's on me. That's my fault. Sure. How did it go for you? Ah, uh, good. No, it worked. It was like what it was. It was like you know, as it always is. It was like thumpy music, yeah. cool dancing, lights doing things. Yeah, it was that. I just wanted to bring it up because it's such a, like a it happens a constant all the time. Staple of yeah. This. Well, yeah. I'm going to see. No, actually, don't worry. Um, no. I'll talk about it when it happens. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, there was this really beautiful like set moment reveal thing, which oh, I yeah. feel like is fine to bring up because the show's done now. <laughs> sure. I think. Yeah. But towards the end of it, um, so uh, so how do I describe what happened? So it was like Matthew Connell, who's like Matthew Connell played the lead, and he was very good and like generous and exhausted and fantastic. Great. Um, but yeah, gets to this point where he's really sad, sort of like looks out towards the back of the room. And then the like the back wall falls off. Oh yes, oh, yes. Love a wall fall. Love a wall fall. Love a wall fall. So the wall falls, and then behind it is just like all of these fairy lights that are like set like set up to look like stars, Aww. and it just looks like you're looking into the universe. That's so nice. It was beautiful. What a nice reveal. It was super duper lovely and like disorienting because they were sort of like shaking a bit because of the way that like that, that they were like suspended. Yeah. So it, was, it felt almost like you were about to fall Twinkling into space. Stars. Wow. Yeah. No, it was super duper beautiful. Wow. It sounds um, really effective. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. It lasted for like a second and then, and then almost comically sort of like Joss McClelland another really excellent cast member just sort of like walked out into the space and was like hello I was like oh <laughs> I guess we're not in space <laughs> back on the ground and then a single confetti cannon went off um, but yeah that was really beautiful um, yeah I bet it, and I guess uh, one of the things like the, the show itself was kind of like about heartbreak of course and recovering from it and, uh, you know, just like young love, all the things. I'm, I'm making it sound pedestrian, but it wasn't. Mm. Of course, these themes matter a lot to me. But, um, yeah, it, it, there, was a, there was a portion of it where it's sort of like dealing with how to, how to heal from heartbreak and friendship being one of the saviors of people in that type of lost misery. Yeah, totally. How do you recover from heartbreak? Ah, oh, oh, not well. Um, <laughs> I arguably don't. <laughs> I would probably say that. No, I think from memory I just get... Very angry and because I've only ever, ever been really heartbroken like once before, like in a big way. Mm. And I think I don't know twice. The first time it was a lot of denial, and then I just eventually forgot after three years. And then the second time was just angry because mm. I mean, it was he, he cheated on me, which mm. was like where the heartbreak came from. Oh yeah, so it was just from the betrayal. Of, from the mainly from the betrayal. <laughs> um, so it was just a lot of anger. Mm. Um, and to this day, I don't think I have fully recovered from it. So I, don't, I, would, I would argue that I don't. Great. What about you, Jake? Is that, that can't be the end of what you say? That's the end of what I have to say. Like, I, I think I try and figure out what the lessons I have learned from that experience is. Mm. What the good I can take away from it is. And in, in, the, in that case, it was that I, I, can let, I can cut people out and move on. And that's fine. That's a healthy thing to do. Mm. And also that, like... I don't know, just be a bit more wary in love. Oh, God. <laughs> well, it definitely taught me to be a lot more guarded. Sure. Um, yeah, I guess is my journey with heartbreak. Sure. Do you think, you, did you at any point overcorrect and get too guarded? Yeah. Yeah, I think I did. Because after that, there, there was a relationship or two where I was very closed off from the other person. And sort of, it turned into something that probably should have ended earlier than mm -hmm. it did. Um, and they ended up getting quite upset. 
so yeah, I guess it comes in swings and roundabouts. Sure. And that, like, because this play was, you know, partly about that recovery, when people around you are going through breakups specifically... Oh yeah, hell. Is there a thing that you believe will save them from their misery? No. No. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that sort of... I guess every person's different, but I think genuine, like, heartbreak like that, I think is just something that is so, like... It's like a pain that no sort of painkiller can really reach, I don't think. Okay. I think it's just, you've just got to suffer through it for a little bit before you can get to a level where you can start dealing with it. Okay. But I think it's just got to sit with you for a while. Uh, yeah. But yeah, but interestingly, this play, almost like, just looking at it almost from a distance and looking at its trajectory and the way that it begins and ends, hmm. I guess it would technically fall into the narrative of people need to be saved from heartbreak by new love oh <laughs> which is a take that it, sure, it's, it's, it's a, a tried and true take yeah i don't agree with that take i could tell by the sound you made yeah no sorry i, I, I think <laughs> no you, don't be sorry <laughs> you should be able to deal with some things on your own before you bring other people into it sure okay. that's my belief mm-hmm. not necessarily maybe if you have the right support network that you can sort of share yourself with and be loved and cared for i think that's great mm. but i think Personally, I like to be able to deal with my, I guess, baggage is the term, Hmm. before sort of allowing other people in. Because it feels otherwise unfair to sort of lean your heartbreak on someone else to sort of help you fix it. I think is sort of like, Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what I'm really saying. I I just, that to me feel, personally to me, that feels selfish. Like that feels like if I were to do that to someone else, I would feel like I was being selfish. Sure. Okay. Is what I think. Hmm. Yeah. Why do you think... What, what do you think about that? Is I, that I don't know. I think past... a number of things. I don't know. I think as a narrative, I guess it... I don't know. It, as, I, maybe as a narrative, it connects in a very simplistic way to the oft-demonized fairy tale thing of, like, princesses waiting for princes. Yeah, exactly. You know, I guess there's... If you're going to group it in that sort of bracket, sure. Maybe that's a, a, a tale you should... I don't know, question whether or not you should tell, maybe. Mm. But I, I see the thing of, like... And I don't know, this is a thing that I've been thinking about recently and I have no conclusions, but I suppose it's not as if you're ever going to enter into a romantic relationship like ready to go, like in the terms mm. of like, it's not as if you're going to bring nothing to a relationship. Yeah, that's true. Like we were talking about blank slates, like you don't enter a relationship blankly. Yeah. You have a bunch of stuff. And if some of that stuff is recent devastation, that is who you are as you enter. Like that's, that's who I, you are I, in that I, I agree moment. with you. I agree with that. I just think it's... It feels... It, hearing the sentence, it sort of sounds like you're jumping from one to the next to sort of ignore the past, I think, to me, is what that sounds like. It feels well, like... Well, sure, still... if it's an unhealthy coping mechanism. Yeah, that's, for what, sure. I, that's what it sounds like. But I think even, too, like, <laughs> what is a healthy coping mechanism? Yeah, true. Yeah, true. And also, if we're all going to be suffering and in pain, why do it alone? Totally. And I think, too, it's like as much as I care about love, I think there's some something to be explored in the idea of, like... I, I certainly sometimes find myself in the way of thinking where it's like time periods of my life or brackets of time are defined by whether or not I was in a relationship and who I was in that relationship yeah. with. Yeah. Like as, as all encompassing as good love can be, it's like maybe the, seeing our life in those eras can be done while also perceiving it in other fashions as well. Like I think whether or not you're in a relationship or not, like making rules about when you're allowed to cross between those boundaries are maybe 
I don't know, is maybe declarations that we're too comfortable making. Yeah. You know? Because I think there are so many different types of relationship, you know? Like, yeah. it's not as if you have a boyfriend or you don't have a boyfriend. Like, there are people that you're, like, a little bit in love with all mm. the time, you know? And and it's, like, a case-by-case thing in terms of how healthy those relationships are and how they affect you. It's like I was, yeah, having a conversation with a friend the other day about how it's, like, oh, am I being a bit unethical in kind of, like, being around this person who I care about? For whatever reason, like it's a convoluted story, but it's like, you know, that thing of like, what duty of care do we have to each other when there's like, maybe like an imbalance of affection or something. Um, and it's like, I think the moment that you, and like it, it, rather, it, the moment that you of course involuntarily enter into loving somebody, you've, I, I'd say you've kind of been like, just by virtue of, you know, the contractual against our will human agreement is that you get to fall in love, but you also need to develop the skills necessary to be heartbroken. You know, and I, I don't think yeah. it's, you know, to some extent, of course, it's our job to protect each other from being hurt in that way. But I think maybe we demonize heartbreak a little bit too much. Oh, I agree with you. I think, I think heartbreak's a, not a great thing, but I think it's a very character building thing. Mm. I think nothing tells you more about who you are than having your heart broken, whether it's through, you know, relationships ending or people dying or things like that. That's all stuff that really reveals to you who you are and who people are in relation to you. Sure. Because how they then treat you in that situation sort of tells you what's going on with that relationship. Mm. Um, Go get your heart, go get your hearts broken people. (laughs) Go and do it. Sure. And it's certainly not the, like the, the relatively sort of like, I don't know, elementary train of thinking where it's like, Oh, you need the sadness to experience the happiness. Like grief is beautiful because of the loveliness. It's like, Mm. no, it's like grief is also beautiful in and of itself, you know? Yeah. Heartbreak is lovely because it's like... It's not because you had love and now you don't or you want love but can't have it. Like, it's also beautiful because it's like... It's... The, it's I don't know. It's like you're almost like your like you're stomach crumbling or something. It's like... It's like... It's this awareness that you have of like something's missing and I need it. And that alone is enough for it to qualify as beautiful. Golly. I think. So... Yeah. Okay. I don't know. So that's that. That's just things that this play made me think about. Yeah, that's a lot of things to think about. The play made you think a lot. Sure. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it was so lovely to talk to James Robertson in person. Yeah, they would have been nice. <laughs> they seem really lovely. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Anyway, drink some wine and write a play. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Incredible. Amazing. So good. I can't believe um, we did it again, guys. We, we did it again, guys. <laughs> Another day around the sun. Um, Jake. James. Uh, uh, what do you have to say at the end of this episode? <laughs> that the episode is done. Great. Thank you so much for listening. Means really, really lovely of you. If you're doing something, give us tickets to it. We will come and see it and then we'll talk about it. On this podcast that you're listening to This now. is the one. This is the um, one. Yep. We have an email. Praisedionysis at gmail.com And an Instagram It's praisedionysis with a little A with a circle around it at the Go start figure. Go figure yourself Ooh. Yeah right <laughs> um, um, Great Otherwise um, we may already disagree with everything we just said Yes Yes. opinions change and so do people Yes. I would also say that friends don't let friends become theatre critics I agree That's a really great sentence It's a great sentence Great Okay well what a pleasure what a treat Thanks for having me in your house Where you're and, growing and mushrooms as well Oh, you're talking to me now. I'm you're, never, to, you're never direct. No, go sorry. on. <laughs> yes, I'm growing mushrooms, everybody. Yes, king oysters. Ah, <laughs> uh, indeed, fanciest mushroom. <laughs> <laughs>